Welcome to StoryWise, the podcast designed to give you the in-depth story behind some of our top storytellers as a way to inform, motivate, and inspire you to believe that you too can make your dreams a reality. This is Jen Grisanti. I am the story career consultant at Jen Grisanti Consultancy, Inc., a writer's consultancy designed to help you accomplish your writing goals and reach your career destination through one-on-one consults, seminars, and teleseminars. And I am very excited to have with me as my guest today, Ryan Harris. Let me tell you a little bit about Ryan. Ryan Harris grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area and graduated from California State University, Chico, after studying media arts and anthropology. Ryan's work in television has taken him from the deserts of the Middle East as a producer for the Discovery Channel to the wilds of Burbank as a writer's assistant and script coordinator on several primetime network series, including What I Like About You, Grounded for Life, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and The Middle. He has won numerous TV writing competitions and has been a two-time teleplay finalist at the Austin Film Festival, a two-time finalist for the Warner Brothers Workshop, and semi-finalist for the Nickel Fellowship. Wow. After developing a psychological feature for Twisted Pictures and a drama pilot for Universal Cable Productions, Ryan was accepted into the 2011-2012 NBC Writers on the Verge program. He is represented by CAA and Evolution Management and is currently working as a staff writer on the new NBC drama Chicago Fire. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, look at that. That's a body of work already. Look at you. It, it, It is a wonderful start. So speaking of starts, tell me about your story say starting like give us a sense of what your journey has been since college until your first staffing sure i kind of i always knew this is what i wanted to do whether i wanted to admit it to myself or not Mm -hmm. and so there i took a bit of a slow boat here to make sure i was getting into the right thing for myself um i started off actually as an anthropology major in college i always wanted to be an anthropologist right that was my goal interesting yeah if if Anybody walks into my house, the first thing they'll see is a wall of yellow. And that yellow are about, I think, six decades of National Geographic magazines wow. in a bookshelf. And I've read all of them. They've been right. fodder for story for me um, for oh, my I entire life. That. Yeah. And, and so that, that's what I wanted to be. I, right. you know, I would uh, Going to a museum for me as a kid was the most interesting thing. And uh, and really, it does tie into television in, in, in a lot of ways. But So I, I went as an anthropology major. I went to Cal State Chico, which has a great... A program there for that reason. And uh, as I found out, as an anthropology major, you write a lot of papers. Um, and they're all about, you know, cultures and people. And I found that fascinating. I found their stories interesting. But on every paper written, you know, by my professors, they would always uh, comment, um, you know, you're talking too much about the people. Let's just get the facts down. And I was telling stories about uh, you know, that I found interesting that what made these people who they were. Right. And they didn't want to know those things. Right. And, and that kind of burned me and I, I was vocal about it and they were vocal back about it. 
uh, to the point where they're like, well, maybe this isn't the right major for you. Right. And I was I was dead set against that. I was like, I'm going to be an anthropologist. Uh, but finally, I read a, a set of books called The Golden Bough by uh, an anthropologist named um, George Frazier. Mm-hmm. And um, it was he was from the 1800s, but he traveled all around the world and collected stories from different cultures. Oh, I love it. Africa, South America, yeah. you know, all, all over the world. And, and then what he did is he took those stories and he grouped them into subgenres. And for me, that opened up my eyes for the first time that really anthropology is storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's understanding universal story, right. which I know is a big thing for you. And, and that huge thing. It right? is a huge thing. Yeah. And, and it's a huge thing for, for really every storyteller is really understanding, you know, what's relatable. Yeah. Uh, and so I immediately uh, added another major, mm-hmm. uh, which was called media arts at, at that university. I uh, started interning at the local news station. I worked as a PA on a movie that came into town uh, because it's not near Hollywood. And we had a CBS miniseries came into town. And right. I volunteered for that. Right. I just wanted to be close to this new kind of form of, you know, storytelling yeah. for me. Um, after graduation and a, kind of a short stint at some film school stuff in New York, I moved to L.A. It, just like everybody else does. An SUV with a futon, mattress, right. ATV, and my laptop. And I, don't, I love it. <laughs> I don't know what order right. of importance those three things were, but that's right. what I had. Right. I had really only been to like Los Angeles once. Right. And so I drove to the only place I knew, which was Santa Monica, and I found a motel. Right. And I called the only person that I knew, which was the second, second assistant director on that miniseries. Right. And I just said, I'm here. Right. <laughs> I need a job and I, I'll do anything. And he said, well, come down to Fox. I have a job for you. I need bodies. And it was to be a PA on Bullworth. Oh, great. Which, by the way, I'm dating myself right now right, by right. saying that. But, no, but still, but, um, that's and, great. And after, you know, after a few weeks, I, he said, you're going to be here for a while. This, this movie's going to go. And I got an apartment. And that turned into job after job after job of a lot of different PA jobs. Wow. Yeah. So that was an incredible first break. Yeah. You know, it's one of those scary things. And yeah. I, th- I don't think that's dissimilar to right. what a lot of other people do. But right. you kind of have to go into the unknown, especially if you're not from the area. Right. And it is a little bit foreign to you. Right. Um, those jobs turned into an executive assistant job at Disney Imagineering, which was incredibly informative as far as an education about the business for right. me. Right. That turned into kind of the internet revolution where we were trying to do web TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was an interesting experiment. Then right. I, all, all this time, every night I would come home and I would write. Right. All the, on the weekends, I would write. Right. I would write features. I'd write TV specs. See, I believe samples. That. I went to the From Samuel French. You, yeah, yes. wow. I lived at the Samuel French bookstore. Right. Um, and you know, finally, I ended up at a TV development company, and I was learning about development of TV shows, and it's it still wasn't close enough for me. And I was still writing, and finally, I started entering contests and getting feedback. I'd be a finalist, or I'd win and get a hundred bucks and a copy of you know Movie Magic Screenwriter or something. Um, and, uh, I, and one of my friends smartly advised me, they're like, you just have to start working in television shows. You can't, you know, you got to be there. You got to be, be on the it. peripheral. Yeah. You're in Los yeah, Angeles. You're working yeah. in the industry, but you still have to work in production to get closer to the writers. Otherwise you're still always going to be far away. And I thought that was, that was really the best advice I right. got. So I opened up the creative directory right. and called every single show, every single pilot, uh, asked for their fax number, asked if they needed a PA, anybody to do anything. And right. granted, I had not been a PA for a couple of years at that point. So right. I kind of had to go back down. And I got one phone call. It was for a pilot called The Mullets right. on UPN. Right. And um, 
and they hired me as the night PA to deliver scripts. That's great. They got picked up, and I begged them. I said, I can type quickly. I know what I have to do. I know what the scripts are. I know, you know, mm-hmm. I know how to format a script, and so they hired me as a writer's assistant. Great. And after that, I just kept on working yeah. and, 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 and writing and, and kind of perfecting the craft, which is really important to me. Well, and I think the fascinating thing is, I think part of what was fascinating to me is um, a lot of the shows that you were um, – being a PA or script coordinator on were half hour shows. Yeah. So yeah. that was hard for you too because you're right. you're a one hour writer. Yeah. I mean, even though at that time I was still really finding a voice. And, right. And I love comedies and I, I still do to this day. Right. Um, because, you know, a good character is a good character. And, 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 and you know, at that time, I was just a little bit more drawn to comedies. I don't know if it was a youth thing for me or, or right. what, or just a style thing for me about what comedies were like at the time, especially multi-cameras, you know, because that was very stage-like. You mean when comedies used to be good? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, no, and I, I think they're actually having a There massive... are some very good ones right now, but there are. Yeah. we want more. Yeah. I look at episodes of Modern Family, and I'm like, okay, I'm loving those. There are a couple other that I love, but I would like to see more. Good save, Jen. Yes. Good save. <laughs> I would like to see more. <laughs> there, yeah, they, I mean, they are going through a renaissance then, but I think what drove what drew me to them then was, uh, especially multi-cameras, they were right. like stage plays. Right. And that's a different kind of telling, yes. you know, storytelling. And, yeah, and I've worked on a multi-camera, yeah. Yeah, so it's 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 really fascinating to get that audience feedback yeah. on the show night, the electricity in there. And and so that was really interesting to me. But yes, yeah, slowly but surely, I started, I was writing features that were more dramatic. Right. And I started writing specs that were uh, drama specs. I think my first drama spec was an Ed right. on NBC, which I thought was a phenomenal show. And it kind of, that kind of oh, yeah, bridged. Yeah, I liked Ed. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it really bridged comedy and drama yeah, for me. And I agree. I, I was really encouraged. I think the Warner Brothers Workshop actually called me. They said you were very... Very, very close. Or right. they wrote me a note or an email. I, I forgot what it was, but that was probably 2002. Or I mean, They wrote me a note and said, you entered a comedy and a drama. Your Ed was, you know, hands down better than your, your comedy, you know, right. focus on comedy. I thought that was great feedback. That is great you know, feedback. It's heartbreaking because you're not yes. being invited to the program that year, but not everybody gets that How many times feedback. did you try out for Warner Brothers? For Warner Brothers Workshop, I mean, if I started around 2002, right. I... Uh, I Probably ten times. I love for I was people a, to hear that. Yeah. You know what? twice. Spiro but... said the same thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, ten years. That and you yeah. hear ten years a lot. And I yeah. don't think that. I mean, certainly there are exceptions. But yeah, but it's, it's I common. think it's great for everyone to hear Ryan because I can't tell you how many writers that I meet and work with who have this expectation that they're going to write one or two scripts and land. Yeah. And and so I think it's so good for people to say. Yes, I have this incredible thing going now, but this is what the journey looked like. Also, you yeah. find your voice after a while. Yeah. You know, you, you don't want to have a, you know, suddenly hit and then you realize oh, this isn't really my thing and you want to change. But then you're already being kind of, you know, not pigeonholed, but you're identified as a different kind of writer than you really want to be. And it might, right. might be harder at that time to dig yourself out of that. Right. And then the year that Warner Brothers wanted you was when we got you for <laughs> yes. Writers on the yeah. Verge. My, my second my second interview with them went very well. It was the same exact day. Isn't that um, funny? When somebody I'm... else wants you, everybody wants yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> NBC called it's first. The psychology yeah. of this town. <laughs> All right. Speaking of, and we're going to jump into uh, Writers on the Verge. First, I would love for you to take us into um, your first day on Chicago Fire. What was that like? You know, as you can imagine, after a lot of years kind of being an assistant or just doing, you know, you know, occasionally getting a freelance script, it was it was big walking into, you know, Dick Wolf's office. And really, I got the job. 
my agents called me, you know, you have the job. And I had to walk out into the hallway of that, the room I was being a writer's assistant in and to get the job. Right. And I walked back in and they just saw my face or I, you know, they were applauded. And then I got another call a couple minutes later from the show. Right. Saying we need you to start tomorrow. Wow. And, you know, my bosses at that show were saints. Right. Handling it because I was like. I'm out of here. Uh, right. you know, thank you guys for everything. Thanks for the job and right. your patience of, you know, ha- having me. Right. Um, but I have to start a new job tomorrow at NBC. And they were very cool about it. So, yeah, Good. you know, next day I walked in. Um, for Actually, for the first two days, we had a fire chief. Right. One of the top four chiefs of Chicago in. Great. Uh, telling stories. And then uh, a paramedic. Wow. Which is, you know, absolutely important. You know, especially there aren't a lot of firefighting shows on right. television. There's actually one, and that's our show. Right. And at that time, there were zero. Right. So, you know, what what do you know about firefighting besides, you know, seeing the trucks go down the road or, or you know, rescue me or, you know, what, what have you? And and so they really kind of informed us about that. And then we uh-huh. jumped on a plane, went to Chicago. Love and it. spent three days uh, going the to the- whole f- staff? Yeah, the whole staff. Oh, my we God, all went, I we all went there. And, you know, not only is it great for learning about- you know, doing the ride-alongs, going to the academy, kind of really meeting and, and talking to the firefighters and learning stories. But it was great for the staff to just kind of be in the element that for a while. That is wonderful. It, it was really the right way to go. And we came back with stories. We came back energized and just ready to, you know, break the first season. Great. Yeah. And it was honestly, it was on, it was probably the best organized first season I've ever seen. I'm not just saying that. It it, it felt like it was on rails. It was, oh, it was I yeah. love it. And that is because the showrunner, Matt Olmstead. Absolutely. Yes. Matt yes. Olmstead and, and Derek Haas and yes. Michael Brandt as well. I mean, yeah. they, they've actually known each other for a long time. Right. And unbeknownst to them, uh, I had met all three of them in 2003 at the mm. Austin Film Festival. No way. Yeah, yeah. And, I and love it. And it kind of came about in our, in our interview and we suddenly realized, oh, yeah, you know. Right. And. You know, I don't know if, if you know, they also appreciated that I had, I had shown interest in, you know, you know, film festivals like Austin in the past. But right. it was a nice it was a nice kind of moment. When, well, you know. and see, that's good for people, the listeners to really recognize, too, because I think so many people say, what do the festivals mean? What do the programs mean? They mean relationships. Yeah. They mean callback to Wow, remember when we met? And, yeah. and so I love that you bring that up. And they weren't who they were 10 right. years ago either. Exactly. You know, you're just kind of talking with people. And uh, honestly, I have I have friends from that year that I have, I still have today. And it's not just contacts. I love that. You know, it, I'm, I'm, you know, you're a contact for me. I'm going to, yes. you know, cash in on this one day. It's friendships. Yes. And relationships. And I think so in Austin in particular. Absolutely. That yeah. you're there for three days. Mm-hmm. Everybody's there to have a good time. There are so there there are so many opportunities to make friendships yeah. and build relationships. Yeah. So I uh, definitely big shout out to the Austin Film Festival. Highly highly recommend it for writers to go and experience it and submit to it. Um, okay, so what about the writers' room? Like going into, I'm sure because you worked on so many shows, you probably had expectations yeah. of what you thought the room would be. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about what hit your expectation and what was different than what you anticipated. For me, I mean, I I had worked on a couple of dramas, but they were mostly pilots. So right. you don't, I hadn't actually had a lot of experience in the drama writer's room. I've right. been used to the comedy TV room where there there's a monitor on the wall and, and notes and, and the screenplay is, is typed on it as the writers are kind of working on it. And right. it, it, it's synthesized into the story right there. With ours, um, and probably with a lot of other dramas, I'm sure, you know, it, it, we start off in the room, uh, we get the stories up. 
um, all the character arcs throughout the series or throughout the season, you know, organized and, and at least temporarily, you know, where they should be. And, and then the writers are really entrusted to kind of take those stories, uh, you know, and put them together for a pitch, for an outline, take them to the back to the room or to the or to the executive producers, pitch them and then write the outline. What is the process like uh, time-wise to give people an idea mm-hmm, sure. from story concept to script to screen? Um, what would you say you that? Know, like a three-week period? Sure. Or would you say, uh, well, yeah. not, not to screen as in on the television screen, right. but to shooting. Um, right, to I shooting. Mean, yeah, right. I, I mean, I would say you have, depending on how, because we're a serialized show, right. we really have to kind of figure out a lot of beats in advance yes. and that's yes. where the bosses are you know Matt so do you have a writer's room that yeah, you're yeah in? We, we do yeah. we, we do you know gather in the room and we really do plot out the beats right kind of through you know the first half of the season and then the second half of the season and that's really where Olmstead has some branch shine and it's right. just amazing watching them um but yeah I mean, typically you know you, you break an episode you can do that in a, a couple days, right? Really, um, right. you can write an outline, or you should be writing an outline. You know, in th- but because three days. you were trained by writers Absolutely. on the verge, then you had a yeah. real idea. Bingo! Those, turn, those turnarounds for writers <laughs> on the verge are right. fast, and they are accurate to the real world. You know, Yay. and incredibly helpful. And, and and you kind of you kind of build up a tolerance for them. You yeah, know? and and it it certainly helps. You right. know, you're not. There's there's no shock. Yes. You know. Yeah. Of, of jump. It's not because like jumping into. Because you've done it and you know yeah. you can do it. Exactly. You're not in an ice cold yeah. lake. You know. Yes. You kind of you're, you understand where you are. You're not disoriented. You're just right. in it. Right. Um. Yeah. I mean, you know, three days to write the outline. Sometimes it's a little bit longer depending right. on how busy the guys are. And then you know you should have a script. You should at least have a you know readable script for the executive producers in a week. I would assume. Right. Say, yeah. And now, what about politics? So, how what did you learn? Like. I know many staff writers have fear because, of course, staff writers get let get let go because mm-hmm. they don't talk enough or because they talk too much. Right. Talk to the idea of like how you learned to gauge the temperament of the room. I, I mean, I think that really came from me from being a writer's assistant a lot and right. understanding that every room is different and right. learning how to read the room. And, right. you know, and for our room, I, I just kind of watched. Right. I watched the bosses and kind of. And from the top down, right? And, and you know, you know, the bosses, the co-EPs, the other producers, story editors, um, and, and kind of really understanding their dynamics, and, and then realizing what they expected from me, you know, right. and, and and really contributing when I had something to contribute. I mean, right. it's, it's a very professional room, and and you got to bring your A game. And I, I, you know, sometimes it got shut down, right? And you know, and other times, you know, it was something might be kicked down the road a little bit, and then you see it in a script later. You're like, oh, okay, I contributed, right? Um, um, something it might have not been at that moment, but right. you see it later, and you're like, okay, that's great. And you can't. That means I'm on the right track. Yeah, and you can't right. sit there licking your wounds. Or, you know, you, right. you are in service of the story, and that is right. why you are in the room. And you know, for politics, the story and, and the executive producer, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And you know, there's there's a lot to say about yeah. about that about what. You know the writers is, or the the staff writers' job is right, and, and uh, but yeah, I mean, if you worry too much about politics, you're not doing your job, also. Right. And, and so I just try not. You to get worry lost about... in the story. You're Absol- smart. Absolutely. You Don't know... get lost in the politics. Get lost in the story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, that that is you know your first and foremost thing. And in our room, we try to work very efficiently, so it right. really hasn't been a problem. Good. Uh, but in other rooms, I, I have seen you know right. uh, you you see how. To do things, and you see how not to do things, especially. Yes. That's one of the great things about being a writer's assistant is you are attached to the hip 
yeah. the executive producer. And, it, and so when you do get that opportunity to be in the room, you know, you, you avoid a lot of mistakes, hopefully. Right. That's good. <laughs> so. I love. So that means your writer's assistant background was really great for Certainly. you, bringing in it into the room. Yeah. All right. So looking at the characters on Chicago Fire, sure. who do you identify with the most? That's easy. It would be Otis. Yeah. Um, and primarily because I've written 13 podcasts or webisodes of Otis doing his own podcast. Right. And you know, basically each webisode is Otis talking about one of the themes in the in the uh, in character talking about one of the themes right. that's happened in, in the show. And, right. And and uh, there's a little bit funny. Right. A little bit from the heart. Right. Uh, but but it has to be on theme and, and it has to be you know a minute and a half long. And so I kind of you know feel like I get into this guy's head and who he, Otis is is an observer. He's a smart right. guy. He's an observer. If he and I switched spots, I feel it wouldn't be that different. Like, right. He, he would actually be, the character Otis would be a great television writer. Right. I think. And I don't know how great of a firefighter I, I would be. But, uh, right. you know, but it, Wouldn't it, that be fun to switch roles? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I love that. Yeah. That's great. Do any of your actors have firemen background? Uh, not, the, not that I know of. You know, I mean, I think they all actually took much more intensive firefighting training sure. uh, than we did from um, from our technical advisor, who's one yeah. of the chiefs of Chicago. And, right. and, and uh, they, I think they really went through it. And and, and for each episode, they'll, right. they'll do separate training for specific scenes. Right. So, you know. And as writers, like, is that intimidating to write? Like, do you pitch out the idea of the stories and then figure the technical consultants will come in and make yeah. sure that everything's accurate? Yeah. I mean, story story is... And character is, you know, obviously a number one. Right. And, and um, in any action sequence, you still have to tell the story. Right. And, and there's something has to be happening with the character and developing within the character, which is just, you know, a, a great lesson, you know, um, you know, to learn for for any writer. An action sequence isn't just an action sequence. It, right. It, it's it needs to move the story forward in a right. lot of ways. But it, you know, one of my jobs at the beginning of the season was research. Right. And you know, everybody was getting their scripts, and obviously, I'm the guy really with something to prove in in the room. And and uh, the boss, you know, called me in and he just said, "Listen, you're going to do research with you know our technical advisors, and whenever we need information, get information." And and, and that was you know awesome for me right. it, was, it was a task to, to do and right. you know and when you have that when one you have thing a task to do, you have value yeah exactly and purpose and yeah exactly and so i got to know you know the technical advisors much better and and i would run them through potential scenes that we'd be doing and and, and kind of sketching out what the scene would be so it can go into the script and one of the benefits of you know, really proving yourself in that moment right. is saying, I'm not just, you know, a researcher in this moment, but I'm also a storyteller. And how, how do I, where our characters are right now fit into that scene? So I can even, even if it's a bullet pointed list about how the scene goes down, I can still say how it relates to each one of the characters. Right. And then I deliver it. You know, That's and, great. You know, and you take every single small task you get as a staff writer and you do it with great and alacrity. And you clearly you know? did it incredibly well because you had two produced episodes in yeah, the first season. Yeah, I co-wrote right? uh, two episodes with Matt. Yeah. With you, they co wrote up with the show one of the showrunners yeah. oh my god yeah, that so. is amazing and your episodes were phenomenal thank you yes so i feel so so everyone knows so i have uh ryan has a special place in my heart because i have worked with ryan for a couple years uh, and yeah. i think about three maybe three years yeah, maybe more. and so the journey and seeing him go from us working together in consults, to him really excelling in my teleseminar, to him getting into Writers on the Verge, to CAA happening. He already had a great manager um, from the beginning who clearly saw the talent. 
and um, and began to see it even more. And and another story that I actually was going to touch on later, but I'll touch on now, is Ryan started with me with a writing partner. So I would love for you to give people an idea of what it is to start with a writing partner and then go from two to one. Yeah, yeah. And what that looks like. Um, you know, I, and I, I don't think it's an uncommon thing right. either. I think it, it happens quite frequently. And sometimes I'm surprised when I talk to writers um, and and they mention, you know, my writing partner from a few years ago. I'm like, oh, my God, you're, you're a huge name writer. And, you know, I recognize you. Oh, and I recognize your writing partner. You guys started, you know, right. together. That's right. really fascinating to me. Um, yeah. And the same thing with me and my writing partner. We, we were friends and we both had uh, we had both been writing for a number of years on our own. Mm-hmm. And we started finding out that we had a lot of common ground. So we started we wrote one thing together and then a second thing and we realized oh this is a good thing let's keep going and for about three years we actually started developing things we got a manager you know um and you know and it's actually quality stuff but at the same time as we were really synthesizing our work together and refining it we realized we were we were friends and we, we were giving each other a lot of uh you know feedback and accepting that feedback right and there was a lot of compromise in the script um and so i think for both of us we felt like we weren't getting the best out of our scripts, even though we were getting great feedback. We'd, right. we'd even been interviewed for for the Warner Brothers Fellowship at, at that time. You kept getting so close. Very, but, very close, yeah. many times. And and there was maybe maybe something was missing, but but it was always quality work. People would always say, you know, it's quality work. But we kind of felt that, you know, we were each giving each other a, a lot of compromises, and, and that was fine. And, but we finally realized, let's the try. The work was suffering a little bit. The work was suffering a little bit from it. And I think out of respect for our friendship, we just said, you know, let's let's try this. Let's try it on our own, see right. how it goes. And and we did. And, you know, that does two things. Yeah. Um, it, it, it clears the table. Yeah. It, it lets you kind of rediscover your voice. I don't think it's discovering your voice, but it, you've you've come along a little bit. You're rediscovering mm-hmm. a different kind of voice that you have. Uh, still more confident. Probably learn to be your own sounding board. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And that's yeah. a, at first it's a little bit scary because you, you almost forget how to do it. Right. Um, but it, and you have a cle- clean slate, which is really exciting. You're like, oh my god, I have a clean slate. And you think, and then number two, you realize, oh my god, I have a clean slate. This is fucking scary as right. shit. You know, um, I got to start all over. Yeah, again yeah. So create. that happened, and then um, there was another thing that happened right around the same time, which was I was really, as we were ta- discussing, I was really trying to get into more dramas and. Right. I had gotten an interview for um, a comedy. I won't say the name of it. Right. Um, it was a very well-known comedy. Everybody knows it. Um, to be a writer's assistant on it. And I needed a job. I'd just gotten engaged. And um, so I went. I met with them. It was a phenomenal interview. And I actually ended up knowing one of the co-EPs. And they told me they needed a two-year commitment. Right. On a comedy. And I knew I wanted to do drama. And I was going to get paid more than I'd ever been paid. Right. Um, they would, they potentially would offer a couple scripts during right. the two years. Wow. And the showrunner had actually started off as a writer's assistant on the show. Wow. And it was, pro, you know, it's the dream right. for a lot of people who are looking into being writer's assistant. Like, that's the holy grail. And on a show like that, you know, you're just like, oh, my gosh. And I walked down to my my car going, wow, that's in- that was an interesting interview. Right. And uh, as I was opening up my car door, they called and they said, can you turn around and come back and start today? And... I, for the, I froze and I for the wow. first yeah for the first time I've, I ever called out called it out I said I need to I need to check with my fiance right <laughs> <laughs> that was As, a good every, stall. every time I use that that uh, that um, that that excuse right um, 
and it's a helpful one sometimes. Yes, definitely. Uh, so I, I went home and I, you know, I sat your now wife, my now wife. <laughs> yes. Thank you, um, my wonderful wife. And and uh, and uh, I went home and I sat on the couch and I just was thinking about it for a while. And you know, I just you know, this is a job that can turn into a career. Right. It's not exactly what I want, but right. it's a job that can turn into a career. And, and so she came home and I, and she said, "How do I interview go?" And I said, "I got it." Right. Um, <laughs> I don't think I can do it. Right. And, and 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 I was kind of a little bit freaked out because I'm a man about to get married and I'm yeah. turning down a job that can make a career. And, and, and to her credit, she just said, don't and right. wait for the right job. And, right. and that was that adrenalized everything that changed everything. And that Love was at it. the same time that we were I was doing your story, your story where I tell tell seminar. And I was just finding a, a new voice, like a right. very energized voice and, and you were a very so true one. Good in the <laughs> yeah, that um, was amazing. Yeah. So whether, whether it was fear for having right. to survive or right. but but really it was, it was just a lot of things coming together at the right time. Right. A new voice coming about and, and all my new material kind of reflected the new voice. I agree. It, all, everything that had happened before that, all the PA jobs, all the other jobs, you know, successes and failures, different experiments, all kind of added to that to that moment and to that new material that, you know, got my managers kind right. of, you know, kind of perked up their ears again. They read the new stuff and, you know, suddenly called more people in and wanted to, you know, develop. And it was it was a really great time. So it was kind of those three things together kind of, you know, were a new Set beginning. Yeah. And it kind of a new rediscovery of a voice. I love that. And speaking of which, so you were very, I mean, before you staffed, you developed. Yeah. So what yeah. was that like? It, it was, it was, it was a little great and it was a little bit uh, like a reverse development process. It was, it was, right. it was interesting. And I, I give credit to my managers at Evolution for, right. for, for thinking about how to do that. Um, right. I, I finished with your story, Wise Tell Seminar, and I had a, a, a new, uh, a, the pilot, a pilot, yeah, called Book of Megiddo. Right. And it was something I'd always wanted to try to do, and and we I developed love that it, <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know it came out right, right, and and managers liked it. They passed it out to a few different places, including networks, including AMC, and I had a few meetings, including with AMC, and they really liked it. And they said, "Well, this isn't exactly what we're looking for, but we kind of want something uh, with an international slant to it." And I said, "Well, I've actually been a producer for Discovery Channel, and kind of lived in Egypt, and I." produce things like that's fascinating will bring something back to us right we'd like to think about developing this and uh so my managers called them and they repeated the same thing to them so i ended up at universal cable productions and kind of i told them that story they're like well let's yeah let's figure some things out and i pitched them three different projects and and we moved along with one of them and uh they ended up optioning it and we really developed it heavily for AMC, but also other places as well. And it was a pro- it was a new process for me. It was an exciting process. It wasn't entirely new, actually, right. because I had worked in development before, so I, I understood right. the process. I wasn't, right. you know, totally a white-eyed doe in it. But it was the first time I was in the position right. of the writer uh, yeah. of the project, and so that was, you know, awesome. But how much do I love that you're thinking on your toes because you have been a producer for the Discovery Channel. So it's like, let me grab what I know yeah. and use that to market myself and sell the idea of, hey, let me do this. Yeah. And I mean, that is awesome. It's not, you know, in every meeting I've, I was going into, right. usually they read the script. They're like, we love the script. Right. It's not our mandate for right. this season. Right. What else do you have? Right. And I had three other – I came in, obviously, with three other pitches. But right. then they, they would also tell me what they were looking for. So mm-hmm. you 
you, you know, sometimes you you hit it on the head, and yeah. you know, but you always try to be nimble. You always try to have a lot of things in the library that you can at least pitch the log line. Talk to us about pitching. So, what is your what is your formula or routine <laughs> for pitching? Um, what what tips do you have? Yeah, I mean, especially if I'm pitching something that it's a prepared pitch, right? I will, you know, I'll start start off with a the personal story about why I'm doing the pitch because it is. You know, they want to, it's not, not because it's a marketable idea or it was a hit show last season. So you're, I'm doing something slightly different. Right. Um, I'm doing it because I'm passionate about it. Right. I'm I'm doing it because I want to pour 60 pages and, you know, hundreds of hours into this, this pilot script. Right. Um, and that's, that's really, and then, you know, I, I, I start with who a couple of the main characters are. Right. And and what the conceit of the show is, you know, and then question and answers and we kind of build on it. Right. Yeah. I love that. I love that. All right, so now going into Writers on the Verge. So tell us, how many times had you applied for Writers on the Verge? I think three. Okay, perfect. Yeah, yeah. Good, and you tell them what you wrote to get into uh, the program. I wrote a Justified. And you wrote Walking Dead in the program. I wrote a Walking Dead in the program and a uh, Supernatural Procedural uh, in the program as Love well, a, a pilot. That is that is great. And what got you staffed on Chicago Fire? What did they read? Uh, the Justified, actually. Oh, great. Yeah, because the the guys that actually worked with Elmer Leonard before. I and, love and, it. Uh, and, uh, and and so they kind of understood the voice. So I think mm-hmm. when my uh, agents and mm-hmm. Karen right. and, and every everybody was kind of Karen Horn. Karen Horn <laughs> at NBC. <laughs> we, we love yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, you know they they kind of gave everybody the library of different potential scripts for each showrunner to read right and and that's what what they elected to read right. and um i kind of had heard through buzz that they had liked it you know right. um before i had They're met with them is awesome. thank you yeah your walking dead's awesome your pilot awesome. <laughs> so i'm like okay which one do they read but yeah but um, they that's what I, that's what they read um you know and they're both actually two guys from texas right uh, branton Haas. Right. so i mean i think that, you know just the language yes. and, and you know the story it spoke to them it spoke to them yeah. and, and and uh and and actually there are a lot of similarities between the story that i was pursuing in justified and how how we tell stories in chicago fire which yeah. is a little unorthodox sophisticated in yes. a way and that you know it's not exactly how you would um you know, organize a story, right. your typical first, second, third act right. story. We, we kind of mix it up a little bit. That is great. Yeah. And then with Writers on the Verge, I want to, like, give people a sense of, like, when you think of your personal story versus your <laughs> professional story. So Ryan had many personal obstacles that happened during his 10-week period of Writers <laughs> on the Verge. Tell people about oh, um Actually, I flew back from um, our engagement party in Virginia, my wife and I my then fiance and right. my engagement party, which was in Virginia. And and uh, I was feeling pretty sick um, and I was sweating profusely. And I was like, well, maybe this is because I have an interview for the Warner Brothers program and the NBC program in the same day, like an hour apart. Right. That could have something to do with it, you know. Um, and so, you know, I met with Karen and the Warner Brothers program and I'm sweating through my shirt. Right. <laughs> and, and going, this isn't really like me i don't i you know i should be nervous but i'm i i'm not that nervous right to warrant the sweating or the stomach ache apparently that's setting in and as it turns out i i had like a very long-term uh food poisoning that lasted like a month and a half and it was brutal and, oh and uh yeah so i was in a constant state of sweating for about a month and a half and then i got a uh, i i was uh, i broke a tooth and i had a root canal during the, during the same time 
and Writers uh, on the Verge is going on. Andy's going to the Austin Film Festival because oh, yeah, his script placed. I, I had I was yeah, I was up for the for the, for uh, that was like a top two or three uh, yeah. pilot scripts, which is yeah. the Book of Megiddo. Yeah. Um, at, at the Austin Film Festival, I had to go there, and then all, we were also planning a wedding in right. Hawaii, like a destination wedding. Right. My wife and I during hiatus, you know, on purpose. Right. Um, so it was it was and I was working full time as a script coordinator on a show. And uh, this is good for everyone yeah. to hear. And I was you freelancing a script your mind to something, on that show. You can do it. Yeah, yeah that's so, right. So, um, you know, so all you know, it, it was it was about time management uh, that particular How you did know, six you do months. It? What was did you sleep? <laughs> Not a lot. Right. You, you know. You know, I think anybody in Writers and Verge will tell you that. I mean, yeah. you, you, as a writer, you allot as much time as you can for every word on the page, you know, right. um, before you have to turn it in. Right. A- and, uh, but yeah, you, you know, you, you schedule severely. You know, right. my I, I every once in a while I'll flip back to, you know, those months and, and I look back and my entire schedule is blocked in different colors, organized about what I'm doing for this half hour, what I'm doing for this half hour, oh, what I'm doing for I work. I have a phone call here. I have a meeting yeah. with one of my mentors here. Right. Um, I have to drive back and forth. And I had very, like I said earlier, I had exceptionally patient bosses. Right. Um, which is very, un- and I was working on an unusual type show. So they allowed me to leave to do the fellowship whenever I could. And, That's great. you know, I, I, I've talked to a few of the other guys from Writers in the Verge who had writer's assistance on their show and I don't don't I don't know how they did it you right. know I think it's difficult for I everybody people do it. um but you, I mean you, I mean most people have a job and sure, doing writers absolutely. on the verge I like my heart went into <laughs> you guys cuz I knew that schedule was crazy and the fact that you kept up with it like you did was such a testament to your commitment to the process. Which it's is, crazy yeah. for a purpose, too. Yes. It's not just crazy because that's the only time that the executives can do it. To be honest, out. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and so that when you are, you get thrown into a room, yeah. you are, you know, you are there and you are prepared and everybody knows it. Yeah. You know, especially yourself. That's the most important thing. Yeah. And you get very close with the group. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We we still still all connect. We still all connect, and we we actually still have a private Facebook group that we only communicate in. I love (laughs) it. That is awesome. Makes my heart happy to hear that. Um, Okay, so as far as the writing competition, Mm -hmm. so is that a a route you you definitely recommend for writers? Yeah, and to what degree can depend on on the writer. I. I used it for, for two different reasons. Right. I, I used it as a personal barometer for myself and for each piece of work that I wanted to kind of send out there. Right. Um, you know, let's say I, I sent out a script and it became a finalist and a final and a semifinalist. Or, and I'm like, oh, I'm doing something right. Two different competitions, two different sets of readers saw something in this that elevated it to the top 5%. Right. Or you send in a script and you don't hear back. Right. <laughs> you know, right, right. maybe I did something wrong there. Maybe not. It's all subjective. It but is after all after subjective. a while, you know, you kind you kind of get you start understanding in in in, in the the hard times, it's also a great for deadlines. Right. And be uh, you know just great for your own morale. Hey, look what huge. I did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it did kind of prop me up in some like after winning a few things, it did prop like, me I'm up during some good. hard time. Yeah, you're like okay, the, I I can do this. Yeah, or, and yeah. and also it's worth continuing doing yes. this because otherwise I, I'm pragmatic enough to know if if I'm not talented in something, I'm not going to do it. You right. Know, I'm not a I'm a horrible musician. Right. 
you know, you I knew that you I, weren't going to pursue that. Exactly. Right. So this, it was enough encouragement for as a blessing or a curse. What sometimes I was like, why am I doing this? You right. know, but you would get that feedback and you're like, oh, well, well this okay. is why I'm doing it. This and, is not my path. And then you yeah. move on what, and with the writing as, as the competitions validated you, it gave you more confidence right. to go, this is my direction. Right. And yeah. p- precisely. And, and, and the second part right. of that is when you do win a competition, when you are a finalist for a competition, it gives you ammunition yeah. to go out to the world and say, you know, query agents, managers, production companies, people that you believe might be interested in that piece of work. Right. Hey, look, the, you yeah. know, this this got there. Also, some competitions have amazing readers. Right. Um, I know right. Austin, it was Kyle Killian right. and Noah Hawley and, yeah. and some others. You're like, You're like that person wow. could, that I person's love, reading yeah. my script. Yeah, I'm and a big fan of Kyle's voice. Actually, after yeah. the Austin Film Festival, I, 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 he was working on Awake then. Yeah. Um, he's like, well, come come over and, and hang out for lunch one day with the writing staff and, and I love it I, with the writing staff of, of Awake and, and Kyle for yeah. you know several hours and, and kind of it, it, it was invaluable that is fantastic okay so we have a couple questions sure. left with regards to who have your mentors been and what have you learned from I'm them? looking at her <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's then that's true. I think I think I'm not just saying you were a mentor, not to me, but to even people you've never met because of your books, you. your website, these podcasts. That is mentorship. Thank you. You're welcome. And it's true. And, I'm and grateful. Karen Horn, right? Um, uh, Joey Chavez, Erica Kinnear, all through the program, but also, uh, and, and I mean, really, I want to shout out to them because. The whole purpose love, of love. Writers in the Verge yeah. is creating a village around I each agree. one of the writers and and your mentors and and Karen and Julianne and everybody who's involved get behind you and they yes. get to know who you are, how to improve you, uh, because be of who better. you are. Yeah, how yes. to make you better. Uh, and they and they keep following up. Yes, and, and that that's really the true definition of a mentor. And also, every boss, whether they knew it or not, was right. my mentor. Right. Um, whether they had good lessons you le- to teach yeah, or bad ones. Yeah, you learn ones. what to do and what not to do. It, exactly. <laughs> and 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 I ha- I've had a lot of bosses, and it, yeah. it's really helped. Yeah. Yeah. How now? What is the experience of having a big agent like CAA as? At the staff level, have you like what advice do you have for writers who suddenly get accepted by a big agency yeah. and have the fear of getting lost within yeah. that? In my experience, there hasn't felt like a big agency. Right. I mean, the guys have have been very right. Um, you know, everything that they said they would do, they they've done. Right. We're in contact frequently. Right. We've even had drinks together. Um, shout out. Yeah. Oh, my shout out, Grant Kessman, Andy Elkin, and. Yeah. and yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And Ted Miller <laughs> and, and uh, Evan Corday. You got a and great team behind you, boy. I have an amazing boy. team. I have a great attorney. I mean, yes. uh, you know, awesome. Love Ginsburg. And, you know, Love so it. It's kind of crazy. You suddenly have this really yeah. large team. It was those guys. It was everybody from Writers on the Verge. Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah, I, I've never felt that I'm in a huge agency right. with them. And and you shouldn't. If you do feel that you are in a too large of an agency for yourself, you are. Right. Um. And that's not a bad right. thing. I mean, for some people, if you want to do maybe one thing, I, I'm interested in doing features. I'm interested in right. developing potential you know, graphic novels, even though I know those aren't the biggest right. money makers or anything. But I'm interested in the the, the medium and, and the, the genre. The creative aspect. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, and they never blinked their eye in my meeting with them. Right. And Brad and Evan were with me, my managers, when we met with CAA. And I asked a lot of questions. And they were the one, they were the guys who, who didn't blink. And, you know, I... I know everybody had read the scripts, but they had really read the, my scripts, and they had, you Yay. know, they knew the details of them, and I was just really impressed by that and Good. honored by it too. Excellent. Yeah. Love it. I cannot begin 
to tell you what a proud, <laughs> proud, proud mama I am. Looking at you, I don't even want to say mama. Mentor, I'll say. <laughs> um, okay, so um, last question. Let's okay. see. You definitely, so thinking about your client, thinking about everything you've learned in every aspect of your career because you've had such an incredible circle of, mm-hmm. Like, you, I think you've learned the fact that you were a producer uh, with Discovery Channel and traveling the world before you were a writer's assistant in PA and how it, you kind of all circled back around. What advice do you have for writers who want to begin a writing career? Yeah, I think two pieces of advice. Uh, you know, the first one is make sure this is the number one thing that you want to do. I mean, if I, I sometimes ask people, you know, okay, you want to be a writer. What are the second and third things you'd like to do? Your dream jobs, and you know, do the try those first. Yeah. Um, and, and then once you have realized that you're still wanting to do the writing, um, you know, refine your craft, work on your craft because that it is a craft. It's it's like woodworking. You know, yeah. it, it, it it is. It's like being a cinematographer. It's like being a director. It's being like being a props person. Yeah. It, it is a craft, and and you have to learn it, and you have to spend those ten thousand or yes. twenty thousand. Yeah. I, I don't believe it's only ten thousand. I, I agree. Believe it's much more than that. Yeah. I, I think TV writing is the exception, and you need to work even more. Yeah. Um, but put in the hours, have the failures, um, ass and seat. I love um, that. And and but on the converse side of that, you can't only have your ass and seat. You have to live because yeah. if if you've only if you only read one page of a book of life, how are you supposed to write about it? And, right. And, and you know, I, I see that a lot. I'll read right. a script, and I'm like, I, I don't know if this person has gotten gotten out enough or, right. or or just lived enough or I don't know loose who enough. this person is I don't I don't writing, hear who right. they are right and and, and you know it, it's not the most difficult thing in the world to perfect but it it is that combination of learning the craft of kind of letting yourself onto the page a little bit and, yeah. and being a little bit fearless about that and, and and once you have that things truly start to happen excellent yay so proud. I love to see former students excelling in a massive way. So this has been an incredible treat. So thank you, thank you, thank, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming and giving us your time and energy and incredible advice for writers out there. And all right, I'm thinking on the fly. What do I have coming up? I have coming up uh, the NAPTI thing on May 9th. And... You can go to NAPTI PitchCon. That's right. On May 9th, I will be speaking there during the afternoon and teaching a class. And then I, uh, we are going to be doing the TV Writers Summit in Israel. And that will be, I believe, June 28th through July 2nd. That will be on my website as soon as it is confirmed. My pilot teleseminar begins on April 30th. It's a five-week teleseminar. We've already gone through the spec portion. So if you are interested in joining the pilot teleseminar, please go to my website under events and seminars and sign up. As you've heard from Ryan, it worked out well for him. (laughs) Oh, yeah, Pitch Fest. Uh, Pitch Fest is actually coming up June 1st. Great American Pitch Fest, so please look that up. I will be teaching a class there, and it is an incredible event. So big shout out to the Great American Pitch Fest. Very excited to be a part of it again this year. And that is it. So I want to thank you all for joining us, and thank Ryan again. And 
Uh, this is Jen Grisanti of StoryWise Podcast. You've been listening to StoryWise with Jen Grisanti. If you're looking to get to the next step in your career and need a guide who has been there and knows what it takes, go to www.jengrisanticonsultancy.com. On the website, you can also find the latest on writing programs, feature film festivals, and other writing competitions. StoryWise is produced by Joel Metzger and Hot House Bruiser Productions. This podcast was recorded at the studios of Icebox Logic.